Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Tuesday evening where we are set to, well, almost wrap up our reflections into the book of Genesis. This evening, I think we are going to get as far as chapter 50, verse 14. I wanted to more or less extend uh, the conversation we were in yesterday as we were talking about just not comforting the sorrowful, but in the light of Jacob's death, uh, maybe speak a little bit to the corporal work of mercy of burying the dead, among other things. So, again, as I had hinted at yesterday, I didn't think we were going to get through all of chapter 50 uh, today, and it looks like uh, we aren't. So, this study on the book of Genesis will spill into next week, and as I thought yesterday, as we wrap up chapter 50 next week, we will also spend some time answering your questions and just kind of offer some closing reflections into the book of Genesis. So that is what we are about here with the remainder of our time on the book of Genesis. We have chapter 50, and then just a few more reflections with maybe uh, a handful of responses to some questions as they come to me from the book of Genesis. So not a lot left, right? I mean, we have been at this for almost 11 months now, verse by verse, and I do see your questions as they are coming in, and I, I will be sure to respond to those questions next week. Now, before I go any further, I do want to especially welcome all of you out there who are taking time out of your busy schedules to listen to uh, Seeds of Truth Radio, especially this study on the book of Genesis. I want to express to you um, how much of a joy it has been for me to really journey with you verse by verse in this epic book that is the book of Genesis. You know, I see that there are a lot of people listening out there, and I think really it has a lot to do with this story that is shrouded, this book rather, that is shrouded with so much mystery. And hopefully by the grace of God, we've been able to uncover some of that mystery. Uh, someone had pulled me aside the other day and said, hey, Joe, I've been listening to your podcast. And, and so we were talking about the book of Genesis, and I had mentioned to, to this friend of mine that... Uh, this is probably, I don't know exactly, the fourth or fifth time that I've really gone through the, the book of Genesis, but maybe the first time that I've done it verse by verse, and I myself have received so much out from this study, just seeing things that I didn't see before. If you've studied a, a particular book in the past that you're studying again, well, the first time you studied it, or the second, or whatever previous time that was that you studied the book of Genesis, was in the past, and now you are who you are in the present and you're a different person from the past, right? So God is speaking to you in different ways, and so that's part of uh, the mystery that is disclosed to us, that maybe God spoke to us through certain verses in the book of Genesis 10 years ago, and He's not speaking to you or I in the same way. But that's okay, because verses that didn't speak to us <laughs> 5, 10 years ago are now speaking to us today. Uh, and one can also say that the deeper you go into studying sacred scripture, the more you are going to understand. So hopefully, if this, if this is your third, fourth, fifth, whatever time studying the book of Genesis, you are seeing things more clearly. You are seeing that 
kind of intelligible coordination between just not one chapter and the next, but ultimately all of the book of Genesis in the light of salvation history. Certainly this has been a lot of our discussion. If not once a week more, we are talking about how the subject matter that we are dealing with on a daily basis as we go through this study verse by verse certainly can only be best understood with verses outside of the book of Genesis. And this is what one calls the spiritual sense. So we interpret sacred scripture in the literal sense, and by that I mean the, the historical context, the intention of the author, mindful of the cultural milieu, if you will. But as we do, we are also mindful of how God has worked in salvation history and how some of that revelation <laughs> sheds light into the book of Genesis. How Jesus as a new Abraham or a new Isaac or, or a new Jacob helps us better understand Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So what we're here, what we're about here on Seeds of Truth is taking a look at this book, this epic book that is Genesis, and just really going snorkeling, right? We're, we're going snorkeling, and, and hopefully you have benefited from that. And I welcome all of you out there who are listening to this podcast, because I do want you to know that as I see you on the grid, I am honored by your presence. And I am intentional in using the word honor because we're going to talk about that this evening. And as I was reflecting into that virtue in prep for this evening, I couldn't help but think of the gift of time you are giving me, uh, that gift which is so precious to you. So again, uh, thank you for that. All right, with that, let us turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis. Now again, we're in chapter 50, but I think what I want to do for continuity purposes is maybe start our reading with a few verses that we talked about yesterday, starting, I think, with verse 28. So we'll reread a few verses, and then we'll just kind of go on into chapter 50, and I think we'll read to verse 14. We'll stop there. So Genesis chapter 49, verse 28, Jacob's death and burial. All these are the twelve tribes of Israel, and this is what their father said to them, as he blessed them, blessing each with the blessing suitable to him. Then he charged them and said to them, I am to be gathered to my people. Bury me with my fathers in the cave that is in the field of Ephron the Hittite, in the cave that is in the field at Machpelah, to the east of Mamre, in the land of Canaan, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite to possess as a burying place. There they buried Abraham and Sarah his wife, there they buried Isaac and Rebekah, his wife, and there I buried Leah. The field and the cave that is in it were purchased from the Hittites. When Jacob finished charging his sons, he drew up his feet into the bed and breathed his last and was gathered to his people. Then Joseph fell on his father's face and wept over him and kissed him. And Joseph commanded his servants, the physicians, to embalm his father, which, oh, by the way, I didn't mention this yesterday evening, but that is what but the art of mummification, right? So the physicians embalmed Israel. Forty days were required for it, for so many are required for embalming. And the Egyptians wept for him seventy days. And when the days of weeping for him were past, Joseph spoke to the household of Pharaoh, saying, If now I have found favor in your eyes, speak, I beg you, in the ears of Pharaoh, saying, 
my father made me swear, saying, I am about to die in my tomb, which I hewed out for myself in the land of Canaan. There shall you bury me. Now, therefore, let me go up, I beg you, and bury my father, then I will return. And Pharaoh answered, Go up and bury your father as he made you swear. So Joseph went up to bury his father, and with him went up all the servants of Pharaoh, the elders of his household, and all the elders of the land of Egypt, as well as all the household of Joseph, his brothers, and his father's household. Only their children, their flocks, and their herds were left in the land of Goshen. And there went up with him both chariots and horsemen. It was a very great company. I love that. A very great company. That Hebrew there translates as vast company. When they came to the threshing floor of Atad, which is beyond the Jordan, they lamented there with a very great and sorrowful lamentation. And he made a mourning for his father seven days. When the inhabitants of the land, the Canaanites, saw the mourning on the threshing floor of Atad, they said, This is a grievous mourning to the Egyptians. Therefore the place was named Abel Mizraim. It is beyond the Jordan. That is a Hebrew word for uh, the meadow of mourning for Egypt. Okay, Verse 12, Thus his sons did for him as he had commanded them. For his sons carried him to the land of Canaan, and buried him in the cave of the field at Machpelah, to the east of Mamre, which Abraham bought with the field from Ephron the Hittite, to possess as a burying place. After he had buried his father, Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers, and all who had gone up with him to bury his father. Okay, so as I noted off the top, on the heels of these verses, I wanted to take some time to discuss the sixth corporal work of mercy, burying the dead. And this should really come to no surprise, all of this talk about burying the dead. If you have been a faithful listener to this series, you know that as we have been treating these uh, chapters verse by verse, when we hit a certain theme or topic, I tend to hit the pause button and just really reflect. And, and here we have, I think, important corporal work of mercy, burying the dead. Now, no doubt, all of us <laughs> make sure that our relatives and friends have a proper funeral service. But there are at least two things, I think, here that we need to be present to. And the first is this, and this is really what I spoke to yesterday. We need to be aware of the needs of those who are grieving, struggling to bury their dead emotionally, if you will. You see, my friends, grieving can be a long and arduous process, right? Shedding tears at a funeral rarely completes that process. We need to help one another to truly bury our lost loved ones by letting go of them and trusting them to the hands of our merciful Creator and Savior. This is part of that process of comforting the sorrowful, right? Comforting uh, those who are grieving. And what I'm talking about here, my friends, really does take a friendship, a patient Friendship that keeps on visiting the bereaved, keeps on helping them dry their tears, we can say, even when the grieving process takes more than just days, weeks, or months, but even years. You know, I have a close friend, and I'm sure you have one as well, who lost a spouse seven years ago. And she has expressed to me that from time to time, certainly on the anniversary of the death, that she grieves a great deal. And so 
we should make a point to make sure we are present to that. If we are going to be agents of mercy, we have to be present to this particular corporal work of mercy that includes the spiritual work of mercy of comforting the sorrowful. This is a precious work of mercy to help another emotionally bury the dead, entrusting them finally to the merciful heart of the Redeemer. Hopefully, we do see how the corporal work of mercy is uh, so complementary. This corporal work of mercy is so complementary to uh, comforting the sorrowful. I mean, what is complementary, by the way? We, I use this language. What is complementary to another thing brings out its complement to its best advantage, right? And we talk about complementary colors. Well, complementary colors bring out each other to its best advantage. The corporal work of mercy of bearing the dead insofar as it complements comforting the sorrowful and vice versa, should draw out each other's importance, if you will. And so this is why we're talking about it. All right, as we're talking about burying the dead, I think there is something very powerful about the Catholic tradition of offering masses for the eternal repose of souls. Here, I might encourage you to contact your parish priest to arrange this for your own departed loved one if you have not done so already, or for maybe a a friend or relative. The religious community, by the way, the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception, it's worth noting, have a very particular commitment to pray for the deceased, especially for the long-forgotten, for the victims of cancer, for soldiers lost in the, the field of battle. All of those who we know, either intimately or maybe not so intimately, should be brought before our Lord with a Mass. Such a powerful, powerful gift we have been given. Uh, To this end, the Association of Marian Helpers, you can Google that name, Association of Marian Helpers, hold these kinds of intentions that I'm talking about right now in in their minds and hearts and spirits. So uh, all the Marian Fathers and the members of the Association of Marian Helpers really have a commitment to making the spiritual commitment to bury the dead with all confidence in God's promise of the life of the world to come. And and we need to be present to that Um, and maybe take up that that task in our own spiritual walk of of interceding for those who have gone before us. And again, I know this is something we talked about yesterday, but something to reinforce. So I really do (laughs) highly encourage you to enroll your deceased family members, uh, friends, and and maybe co-workers in the association or in another spiritual benefit society that might take the name of your loved one before the throne room of God. This is all a part of this corporal work of mercy of burying the dead. And now, what we are talking about here is really the importance of remembering our loved ones and really being grateful for their lives, right? Gratitude is but a memory of the heart, right? And so when we go to the sacrament of gratitude, the Eucharist, we are actually closer to the faithfully departed than at any other time in our lives. I mean, after all, whether in purgatory or in heaven, they are in the near presence of Jesus Christ, who is also uniquely present to us here on earth, of course, in the Blessed Sacrament. So to talk about gratitude as a memory of heart and to then transpose that into a reflection on the Eucharist can be a powerful thing for us, that yes, we are closest to our loved ones 
when we receive the Eucharist, when, when we are before the Blessed Sacrament, because hopefully by the grace of God, they are near to Jesus Christ. So when we are near to Jesus Christ and closest to Jesus Christ, uh, we are closer to our loved ones. Okay, this whole uh, discussion of remembering those who have gone before us should also include an honoring of their life. Certainly this is what you see with Joseph and his brothers as they bury Israel at the place of his request, right? So honor is really the second piece for us. It is a very important virtue for us today that I think goes neglected. Now, we do see it in various secular circles, and, and something can be drawn from this. Uh, the, the writer Donald DeMarco, in his work, The Many Faces of Virtue, draws out the example that can be found at the end of every NBA year. And I thought this to be a helpful example, maybe, as he makes the point, at the end of each NBA season, the Associated Press puts out its first, second, and third teams, all NBA teams. Now, they also have an honorable mention team. So why do they do this? Well, essentially, this was to honor their work. (laughs) Now, not to have honored them would have been unthinkable to, say, basketball aficionados. So many uh, sports commentators, sports personalities on the radio carry on and on and on and on (laughs) about the injustices of someone not making an honorable mention team or or maybe an all-star team. And they go on and on and on because they feel that they are due the honor, right? The honor of what they had achieved on the court or if it's baseball or or football, those particular fields. In essence, what Donald DeMarco is highlighting and what I want us to see is that we intuit the value of honor. Why? Because for honoring someone and what they have accomplished is fundamentally human. And again, turning to Donald DeMarco, as he writes, you know, the honorable person would no more abandon his honor than abandon his parents, turn against his friends, or or betray his country. What is he saying there? But that honor is the resonance, the, the electricity, if you will, that vibrates between one soul and another. Huh? Do not husbands and wives honor each other? as a way of affirming and, and co-celebrating the real values they see in each other? Honor is not so much an abstract principle, but rather the natural and spontaneous way that, that they show how much they cherish that which is sacred. Martin Buber once said that the sublimest absurdity is to throw away that which is most precious in yourself. And that which is most precious in yourself is that, my friends, which we are called to honor, to honor. People take their first steps towards becoming honorable when they recognize beyond the shadow of a doubt that there, my friends, is something in the universe far more glorious than themselves, something indeed that might even be worth dying for or maybe better said, worth living for in the dying, right? This is the the mathematics of God. Where there is a negative, there is a positive. Where there is loss, there is gain. Where there is subtraction, there is addition. Because every time you are down to nothing, God is always up to something. To die is to live. 
G.K. Chesterton, in his work, What's Wrong with the World, makes this statement, and I love this. In everything on this earth that is worth doing, (laughs) there is a stage when no one would do it except for necessity or honor. You see, my friends, there are moments of tedium in anything that is worth doing. And they must be survived out of necessity or honor if we are to continue along the right path. We survive the moments of a difficulty, per se, maybe in our marriage, but through honor, right? But through honor. Or maybe if you're that basketball player I was talking about earlier, you push through those most difficult times because of the end goal. Yeah, but because you want to honor that which is most sacred in you, the gift that has been given to you. You see, honor glues us to our task when none of the ordinary creature comforts, if you will, are there to sustain us. This is why honor is the the noble and self-effacing commitment to do what is honorable because it is honorable, right? Not because it is just personally gratifying. And I think There's an important distinction. It brings us back to that point of realizing that there's something greater outside of us. That is just not about us. Because if it it is just about you, me, the I, the ego drama, then what you think is so honorable will end in misery. May a culpa by the grace of God go I, right? By the grace of God, go I. Donald DeMarco, uh, in his work, The Many Faces of Virtue, quotes the Roman naturalist uh, Pliny the Elder, who says, Let honor be to us strong in obligation as necessity is to others. You see, it is surely a noble and honorable soul that finds honor as compelling as necessity, who does not regard dishonor as being an option. We might say that such a person has integrity, right? (laughs) Integrity that is so durable, so reliable, that it will not be fractionalized by self-interest. Brothers and sisters, such a person is indeed rich because his bond to everything in the world that is good and holy ultimately enlarges him, and I dare say expands his heart. Now, In order to become honorable, one must first become a person. What do we mean by that? Well, the mere individual sees only himself. And consequently, he finds honor to be abstract and contrary to self-interest. But the person, that is, the one who combines the uniqueness of his individuality with the communal dimension of his responsibility, of his personality, maybe we could say, will find honor to be the most natural way, even if it is the road less traveled, the most natural way in which he defends and protects, the most natural way in which he he reveres and esteems those goods that are worth loving, those goods that are worth loving. And is there anything worth protecting and loving more than life itself? From natural conception to natural death, and to that natural death, 
how we buried the dead, honoring the life before us, celebrating that life, if you will. By the way, we're talking about honor as an important virtue, especially when it is applied to honoring a life. Joseph and his brothers and even the Pharaoh are honoring the life of Jacob. What does the word honor mean? I think this is important. It comes from a Latin word that translates dignity or respect. So as a Christian family, the first just social act is to what? But revere the dignity of the human person. All social justice, I know that's a buzzword today, is to revere the dignity of the human person. And we do that by honoring that person for who they are. The dignity of being a son or daughter of God. And again, as we circle back to the burying the dead, we revere the life that is before us, that is past. This is part of burying the dead. This is part of the process. And so we celebrate, and we celebrate by honoring. In my circle, for those closest to the whole craft family who have passed, typically it's an anniversary, a birthday maybe, that we celebrate the life, even if that life was lost long ago. My dad died 25 years ago this year, May 23rd. And on May 23rd, some of us got together and celebrated my dad's life, all that he was, all that he did. A few of us went to the gravestone, my, my father's gravestone, and just prayed. That can be an act, a merciful act to go to a gravestone and pray and discuss. And there's something about that too. To remember the life before us can have a powerful way of actually building us up too. Be mindful of maybe all of the sacrifices made for you, how that person who you are celebrating, who has passed, impacted you, made you a better person, that without them, you would not be who you are. This is a part of the divine logic of love. When we make time for other, other has a way of building us up. Amen? Amen. All right, let us close with a word of prayer. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 530 here on KKXX. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.